Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Again, look at your neighbor and say, man, you really cleaned up good today. And the other side, just look at the person and nod. You know, so. Now, they'll feel bad the rest of service, but anyway, they'll figure out what was wrong. But just want you to know how much that I love you. So thankful that you're here every week. I'm, uh, I'm humbled to and amazed that you'd show up every week. And uh, it, really, it really does. It makes a difference, and I want you to know that you're loved. Hey, uh, we're right in the middle. of Next Sunday is going to be Christmas Sunday and then Christmas Eve. And we always, come on, guys, hurry. And let's get those things ready. So we always, uh, around Christmas, get our cards, and we pass those out and give those to people. So this is uh, Make Plans to Join Us for Unboxed Christmas at the Father's House, December 22nd, Christmas Services. Anita and I will be team teaching of that next Sunday morning. And then 24th, Christmas Eve Candlelight Family. Uh, my grandson, Shade, will be co-teaching with me, and it's going to be a great, great evening. And so please invite people. People are really open to come around the Christmas time, so it's a good chance for you to use those cards. When you go out to lunch today, uh, leave that with your waitress and leave a great tip, a good tip. Don't chintz them out, all right? And uh, sow a good seed. Well, glad you're here today. You got your Bibles? If you got your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you use, your eyeball, let's lift them up and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father God, we come to you today. And Lord, uh, we're just so appreciative of your presence. You're here in a mighty way. And Lord, I just pray right now that you will... Um, let the anointing that abides within flow today through me within the words that I speak. Give me the words that I should say. Stop me from saying anything I shouldn't say today. And Holy Spirit, we're looking to you to put the wind in our sails and to bring revelation of your word because I can't do this without you. I confess my total dependency upon you today in your name, Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. Well, get your study notes out, and as Anita said, take notes. We've got a lot of scriptures we want to look at today. Uh, have you ever gone on a roller coaster ride? How many of you ever been on a roller coaster? All right. You know, it, it, sometimes we enjoy that. Sometimes we endure that. You get on the roller coaster, you go up, and you go down. You turn, you loop, you twist, you plummet, you drop. It's about two minutes, maybe 90 seconds. You're, you're riding the roller coaster. And some of us are white-knuckled. And some people laugh the whole time. Some people scream the whole time. Somebody cry. Some people cry the whole time. Some people say to the person, don't you ever ask me to get on this with you. I'm going to kill you if I ever get off of this, right? And then we get on solid ground. And then some people turn around and get back in the queue to ride it again. And then others find a place that they can barf and say, I'll never get back on that sucker again, never again. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, that's sort of a picture of life. We all have ups and downs. We have sudden turns, drops that we weren't expecting, right? 
I call those things seasons. Say seasons. Seasons of life. And here's what I know. Everybody here today is going through a season of life. Some of you are in a season, finally, of joy and happiness. If you're in that kind of season, would you raise your hand and just say hoot hoot or something like that? I mean, a lot of people are looking for that joy and happiness. And, and you know what it's like that times you haven't been in that season, but you're in that season right now. Some of you may be here today and you're in a season of sadness, maybe a season of regret, maybe a season of hurt or disappointment. But today's memory verse, and all I'm going to be teaching about today, is simply this, that regardless of the season that you are in, you can be full of joy. Somebody may be in a disappointing season. You've been hoping and anticipating change, something good would happen, but it doesn't seem to happen. You could identify with a young guy by the name of Alfred. He wrote Santa, Dear Santa, you didn't bring me anything good last year. You didn't bring me anything good the year before. This year's your last chance. Sometimes we feel like that. And, and, we, and we wonder, how do, you def, how do you define joy? So we said uh, last week, uh, the best definition I like is from Kay Warren. And uh, here it is. Would you read it with me? Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Now, our children next door, they've been memorizing another definition of joy. It's a little shorter, and um, maybe we can memorize that a little bit better. But there it is in your notes. Let's read it together. Joy is finding a way to be happy even when things don't go your way. We'd say, theoretically, that sounds good. I'd love to have joy. I'd love to have that peace, that happiness. But right now, I'm just really struggling. Well, the problem is that there are, uh, there are thieves that try to steal our joy. We said last week, uh, we've heard the, the Grinch who stole Christmas, but there's a whole tribe of Grinches that try to steal our joy. Last week, we looked at the Grinch of busyness. Busyness tries to steal our joy. And so today, the first fill-in there in your notes I want to say that we need to be on watch for the Grinch of stress. He wants to rob you of your joy. Stress, stress, stress. I love this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. It's there in your notes. And uh, would you actually read it out loud with me? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy. Yeah. And uh, have you ever seen one of those containers that says simply this, warning, contents under pressure? You ever seen that? 
Uh, that just means it'll explode if you, um, if, you, if you use it wrong. And so some of you are like that today. That really is what you could wear on the outside today. Contents under pressure. I'm just about to explode. I just have almost all the stress that I can handle. There's a thing called the Holmes stress, um, stress Scale, and it lists the 100 most stressful things in the world, such as uh, divorce and death are at the top of that scale. And then it also lists the seasons in which that we experience the greatest stress. Guess what the season of the greatest stress is? Yeah, it's from Thanksgiving to New Year's. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good, so some people started Thanksgiving, and by the time you get to New Year's, you're ready to blow your top, right, with, with all of the stress that goes on. We get uptight, uh, can't find a parking place, you have to shop for things, and you can't please people, you're not sure what's going on, and it just gets more and more and more, and contents under pressure. So you say, well, I... I'm going through a tough season, so I guess I can't be joyful in this season. No, our memory verse, we have a memory verse, and it's there at the top of your notes. Our memory verse tells us that no matter what season that we're in, we can be full of joy. Would you read this? We want to memorize this this week. Philippians 4 and 4 from the Passion Translation. Let's read it together. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. In how many seasons? That means when I'm up, when I'm down, when I'm plummeting, when I'm turning, in every season, read it with me, let joy overflow. Let's pause there. Let joy overflow. Now, here's why we can let joy overflow. For you are united with the anointed one. I mean, you've got a, you got a connection with the Messiah, the anointed one. And... Uh, so what we're going to look at today are some scriptures and strategies to help us survive, not only survive, but to thrive in this season when everybody else is complaining. In fact, I give you uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 through the Passion Translation. Look at this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with over, with what? Gratitude. You ever live in a world, I mean, I've, I've never seen such a world that people are so full of ingratitude. I heard a boss the other day say, I gave away turkeys and bonuses to my people, and I didn't have one person to come up to me and say thank you. Uh, we're living in a world where people expect things. We need as parents and grandparents to teach our children a very important word. Thank you. Thank you. What did you say? I said, thank you. Thank you. What did you say? Thank you. Maybe as adults we need to start using that. Maybe we need to start taking each other for granted when somebody does something. We say, thank you. Let's practice it. Ready? Thank you. Wow. You guys are good at that because I think you do it all the time. So it says, tell him, tell Jesus every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So on the back of your notes today, I want to give you four things of how that we can overcome the Grinch of stress. Here's the first one. You've already got it figured out. What do you think it is? Don't worry. He says simply, don't worry about anything. So if the scripture tells us don't worry, then that means that we can live a life that we don't worry. 
But every time God says don't do something, he'll give us a replacement of what we need to do. So don't worry. Say that with me. Don't worry. Be happy. I know some of you were thinking that, right? You, you were thinking that. Maggie can sing that for you. Ask her after service. We're living in a golden age of anxiety. I mean, I've never seen so many people anxious. We have what we call micro-anxieties, and that's when we're anxious and, about, and stressful about things in our life. And then we have macro, macro-anxieties. That's when we carry the worries of the world with us. I mean, no wonder we're uptight. We wake up to an alarm clock, not a comfort clock, right? And then the first thing we hear in the morning, you know, we turn on the news and, you know, it's bad news today and, uh, you know, this political party's against this political party and this is happening, that's happening, bad weather here, another shooting here, another something else. And so we start our day off like that. We start our day off with all these thoughts and all these things of worrying, worrying about sending our kids to school, worrying about going to keep a job, worrying about all the things that are going to happen. Dr. Walter Cavert uh, did a survey funded by the National Science Foundation, and it reveals some startling statistics about stress and worry. He found that, look at this, 30% of the things that we worry about are events in the past. So if it's an event in the past, that means, why am I still worrying about it? I can't change it, right? I said something wrong, I did something wrong, I made a mistake. And, and we can't go back, but so many times people do something wrong, and for the next millennial, they're worried about, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I should And so we, we just keep worrying about that. He said that 40%, look at this, 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. You ever had something that you were worrying about, and it never happened? You know, you, you get a, like the other day, we got a registered piece of mail to the Terry Mahan Ministries. And I thought, well, what could that be? Maybe it could be a, a one-time gift of, of a great thing. And then I thought, oh, no, it's probably a government thing that says I didn't do something right. And, and so it's something else. And so you get all those things of all those things. And, and, and you try to go to sleep, but yet you, you worry. Could it, be, could it be bad news? Could it be good news? And because we so much see so much bad news, you know, we do that. So I went to the post office, you know, took a little thing. I have a registered letter. What is it? And then it's from Fruitland Park, and they want me to come and speak and, and pray at one of their uh, morning um, uh, cabinet meetings or whatever they have. So I thought, dang, you could have just sent me a real a little letter, and I'd have been all right with that. But I thought, make a good illustration today, right? So I want you to know I, I experience the same thing that you do. Things happen, but then it's really after we just say, why in the world did I even worry about that, right? 12% of our worries are unfounded health concerns. 12% of our, it's like the hypochondriac who wrote on his tombstone, I told you I'm sick. 10% of the worries that we have are over minor or trivial issues that are not even worth worrying over. Look at this. Only 8% of our worries are real, legitimate issues. 8%. Worry is stewing without doing. It's a learned response. And if it's a learned response, we can unlearn it. We have little kids come in here on Wednesday mornings. It's a worship time with Kid City Learning Center next door. When the kids hit that door out there, the music is going. Uh, Ollie, 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 over Ollie, whatever his name is, the cartoon character. He's singing and leading them. And, and they run in here and they jump down front and they're jumping up and down. I've never, in all the years, I've never seen one small kid come in, sit on the step, and like this. 
Well, what's wrong? I'm just worried. I'm worried about my parents. I'm worried. No, they're coming to... But some of those kids may not even be living with their parents. Some of them may not even had breakfast before they came to the learning center. Some of them, all they've heard is argument. But you see, when in here, there's no worry. It's we teach our kids to worry about things. When we face a crisis, what do we do? We panic. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, Jesus, help us. I don't know what we're going to do about this. This seems, this seems like it's such a big thing, this medical bill, this, 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 this medical thing, this, this, this news that we have, and what are we going to do? And so we teach our kids that when something happens, we should panic. Excuse me. We need to teach our kids that when something unusual happens that throws everybody else into a panic or stress, that we say, time out, this looks like bad news, but guess what? We're connected with God, and he's got us. He's kept us all of these years, and we're not going to panic, and we're not going to worry, but we'll pray about this thing. So it starts with us as parents teaching our kids, what is the culture in your home? Is it negative? Is it worrying? All of that, and we wonder why do our kids turn out the way they do. It's because so often we're just worry, 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 worry. When you face a crisis, Jesus said this, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Read the last line with me. Are you not more value than they. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Tomorrow, tomorrow is the day that you worried about yesterday. The key to living is living one day at a time. If there's something I can change today, I change it today. If I can't change it, then why should I waste my future by going into the future and worry? People say, well, you know, I, I, I made this decision, but then I, I'm worrying about well, what will the decision be after that decision and the decision after that decision. Listen, God is already in your tomorrow. If he's brought you through yesterday and if he's with you today, don't you think he can already do that? So why are you spending your time worrying about something that you may not even have to face, right? Paul. Of course, was sitting in the palace eating the king's meal when he wrote this, right? Where was he? He was in prison. He was in jail. And Paul's saying, even in the midst of this season, I want you to know you can have fullness of joy. So first of all, don't worry. Don't what? But number two, here it is, pray about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't just have it a moment of prayer, but pray all the time. While you're driving down the road and something irritates you, causes stress, why don't you pray about it instead of stressing about it? You know, somebody cuts you off, and instead of giving them a high five, <laughs> minus four, <laughs> why don't we just pray? Lord, help that idiot <laughs> in a biblical sense. But no, what do we do? We get stressed out, and then our palms get sweaty. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's called a semi-road rage, and you're a, you're a Christ follower, you know, in, in the midst of all that. But what if we just pause? People say, well, I don't have time to pray. You have time to worry. 
So what about when the worry comes up? What if we just didn't saturate that time with prayer? Pray about everything. You say, is the Lord concerned about my bills? Yes. Is he concerned about this? Yes, he's concerned. He said, pray about everything. Give faith-filled requests, he said. In other words, don't be vague, but be specific. You ever heard people pray like this? Oh, Lord, just bless us now. What do you mean? Well, just, just bless us. That's a religious term that we picked up that sometimes we don't even know what it means. What do you mean, bless you? Well, you know, like, like I, I, need, I need some encouragement. Well, why don't you just be specific and say, Lord, I need some encouragement right now. I, I, I need some money. What will a quarter do? No, I think it's more like $500 to pay this bill. Then why don't we be specific? He said, your faith-filled request. So we have not because we ask not. You've been asking vague instead of asking specific. You say, man, I, I, I'm praying God would send me a husband. Well, be specific. You just want somebody that's warm and the heart beating? I mean, what is specific? Anita had a long list of requirements for a husband, and I exceeded all of them. No, no, she graced me, she graced me, she graced me. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, look at this. In fact, read it with me. I want you to read this one with me. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. He said, pour them out. Prayer is the release valve to unload your worry. You say, well, I don't, wor I don't want to worry the Lord. Excuse me. Like you're going to worry him? He's got the whole world on his shoulders, and he's doing all right. And, and so you think, well, this is, you know, I, I'll handle this myself. And how's that working for you? How's that working for you? you? You're worried and you're stressed because you're trying. Look, just be honest with him. Come to him and say, sir, time out, but I'm really struggling right now. Life sucks, and I don't know what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle this, but I'm going to bring it to you, and I know you've got everything under control, and you'll bring me through this. You see, it's not ignoring a need. You know, the whole faith thing sometimes went, goes the wrong direction. If you have a headache, people say, well, just ignore the headache. Just ignore the headache. Excuse me, I can't ignore the headache. It's throbbing. Now, I can lie and say, I do not have a headache. I do not have a headache, and I can go to hell. You know, as I'm lying, thou shalt not lie. But I can simply say, hey, uh, Lord, I'm going to pour this out. I've got a headache. I've got a migraine right now, and it's, and, it's, and it's really affecting me, and it's hurting me. But I believe that by your stripes I am made whole. And so I pray right now. Instead of worrying about this, I pray about this right now in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that today? If you do, give the Lord a hand clap. Studies, I've been reading some studies of life insurance companies, and listen to this. They've discovered if you attend church every week, you live on an average of 5.7 years longer by coming to church every week. And I looked at that and I thought, well, why does coming to church give you 5.7 years on the average? I think it's because we come to church, we get in a service like this with family where we feel comfortable. Other people are worshiping when I don't feel like worshiping. Other people are joyful when I don't feel joy. But something begins happening in my life. And when I begin to raise my hand and say, would you pray for me? And pour out my needs, something begins to happen in my life. And I don't leave as stressful or worried, right? I've been pastoring here 24 years. And there are days when I walk to this pulpit, I don't want to preach. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm upset. I'm ticked off, and I don't want to be here. 
encouraging, isn't it? Now, now all, your, all the things you thought about me are true, right? There it is. But I'm just being honest. But there are times I get up here, and I, I, we don't always do things because we feel like it, right? We do it because it's right. So I read the scripture, and I preach, and all of a sudden, I preach myself happy. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling encouraged. I'm feeling joyful. You see, if you don't take it to God, you'll take it out on your body. You'll swallow your worries, and your stomach will keep score. That's why some of you have ulcers, and you're on 14 different medications. Because you worry, you're negative, you're complaining. Why don't you just do what Paul says here? Don't worry. Pray about everything. Take it to the Lord. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And number three, Thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. Let's rehearse this. Let's say it together. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Philippians 4 and 6 from the Good News Translation says, Always asking him with a thankful heart. Always asking him with a thankful heart. Some of us a little older can remember that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. How many of you remember that besides three of us? Okay, good. Look it up on the internet this afternoon. It's a great song. Count your blessings. See what God has done. How long has it been since you just sat down? I, I did this myself the other several weeks ago with the yellow pad. And I just began to thank God for things, just thank him. You know, this morning... I got up, and my intentions were I was going to ride my motorcycle today. I was going to ride my Harley. But when I uh, stepped outside, it was a little frigid, and, uh, and I was weak and uh, decided it was a little cold for me today. So I got in my truck, and I'm driving down the road, and then I turn on my seat heater. I said it wrong in the last service. I think uh, three different ways, but, you know, whatever. Heat seater in the last service. Same thing, right? You know what I mean. I turn on a little red thing, and then all of a sudden, mm, nice and warm. So I just said, you think I'm crazy, but I just pulled out a pixie over there, and I said, thank you, Lord, for my heat seater. Thank you, Lord, for heat. My hands are not freezing. And Lord, while I'm at it, I just thank you for my microwave. That speeds up the process. And Lord, I thank you for my coffee pot. I, I, that just, that's really good. I, I love my coffee pot. I thank you for the refrigerator. You know, I don't have an ice box but I have a refrigerator. I, th I thank you, Lord, that I have a house. I thank you that I was born in America, not in a third world country where they're starving and searching for everything. I thank you, Lord, that I got a wonderful wife. I got great kids. I got great grandkids. I got a few people that love me. I thank you, Lord. I, I thank you for that. How long has it been since you just sat down and vocally or write them out, said, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this. The healthiest human emotion is not love, but it's gratitude. You know that. Grateful people are happy people. I've been in 75 nations of the world, and I've sat down with people that had nothing. We had no electricity. The hut that I was in was dirt floor. The chickens came in and out. Thank God there weren't any cats coming in and out, but the pigs came in and out at the same time. And so we, and, and I'm sitting there, and, and, and so we get together, and they bring some food over, and I've never seen so many people with such gratitude that, and such a, an awesome heart, and they have nothing. And I'm thinking, 
Lord, forgive me for the times that I go back home and I complain about I don't know if I want to go to Popeye's, uh, Jersey Mike, or wherever I want to go, right? But we take those things for granted. But no, we want to always have a thankful heart. Oh, Scripture says, in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you. What are you taking for granted? Thanks and giving go together. Because you see, if you have a thankful heart, you're going to express it with your giving, right? I mean, some of you, you, you realize that even with the gifts that you brought. You're so thankful that it's not, you're not waiting on somebody to give you a gift, but you said, hey, let's, let's do this, and let's bring these gifts, and let's do this. And the same thing with the uh, Leave a Legacy offering, you're, you're doing that because you're thankful for what God is doing, and you have a giving heart. Listen, I have a lot of flaws, and I can list them for you. They're, they're a lot. But ingratitude is not one of them. I am a grateful person. And I hope you are a grateful person. Number four, think about the right things. So let's review. Don't worry. Say it with me. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Think about the right things. Philippians 4 and 8. So keep your thoughts continually. Does that say... Most of the time, continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, and respectful. Think on what's pure and holy, merciful and kind. And look at this last line with me. Read it out loud. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always fasten your thoughts that means strap yourself strap yourself to his glorious ability I I love one of my favorite verses and I pray it all the time Philippians 1 and 6 and it's it's there for you let's look at this being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work of what kind of work anybody has the Lord begun a good work in you has he given you a prophetic word or a promise? And it may be a few years, all right? He says that he has started a good work in you. Read it out loud and with gusto. will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There are times crisis comes up in my life, and I'll just simply, I'll just hear the Lord simply saying this. Remember, Terry Lee, what I begun in you, I will complete. If God started it, he will finish it. Say that with me. If God started it, he will finish it. If you want to reduce your stress level, change the way you think. Scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is. What you put into your mind comes out of your life. Some of you are hanging around toxic people. They're putting toxic thoughts into you. You're never going to get ahead. You know, we're always like this. 
Our family's always had divorce. Our family's always been poor. You'll never own a car. You'll never own property. No matter what you do, the world's against you. Everybody's against you. And so after a while, we believe those things. And if you even watch TV all the time, you'll hear that. You'll hear the Republicans saying, well, all the Democrats are this. And the Democrats are saying, well, all the Republicans are this. And then all the conservatives and all the liberals and everybody's telling you what everybody else says. They're always seeing the negative and the bad in that. And so after a while, you begin to think that. Then, whoa, if I'm this particular party, then somebody else is over. Listen, I am never going to have my identity given over to any party. I will never have my identity given over to somebody else and saying, well, I've got to vote this way because this is, you know, this is my identity. No, I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to hear what somebody believes. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to ask social media what they think. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to simply say this. You never give over the control of your life to somebody else. You stand in the middle of that and say, I'll make my own decision, and I'm going to think my own thoughts, and my thoughts don't have to just be negative news thoughts. He's in control. Do I believe that? Yes. I believe he's in control. Oh, man, I just felt a glory bump just come through me right now. I hope you did that. You see, if I took survey of how you think, then I understand the way you are. If I sat down with you and did a survey of the thoughts that you think and how that you allow them to occupy your mind, I can tell you why you are the way you are. If you're always struggling and you never achieve anything, let me, let me hear your thoughts. Your thoughts are, well, this will start, but I've, all my life I've started something, stopped, or I'm undeserving of this, or a lot of other thoughts. No. He said, I'm going to think thoughts that are pure, that are holy, and I'm going to talk that way. Well, wow, I've lost my job. Well, I've lost my job, but guess what? God must be going to give me something bigger. I got a bad medical report, but guess what? My God heals, and he's going to take care of that. Well, I had somebody else uh, turn their back on me, but guess what? God never leaves me, and he never forsakes me. Instead of the mumbling and the complaining and the negative that we have, let's begin to think good thoughts and give those good thoughts to our kids so they can begin saying things that are different. Now, in January, we're going to talk a whole lot more about that. But what your mouth expresses, you'll live out. Two people can be in the same circumstance and one falls apart and the other rises to their victory. Look at, look at this. Remember the story? Goliath is standing on feet five full. Hum. Oh, that's the wrong story. Sorry. <laughs> it's probably something like that. And Saul said, oh, he's too big to mess with. He's too big to hit. But little David says, because his thoughts are godly thoughts, you got to be kidding me. He's too big to miss. Too big. You see, two people facing the same problem, the same difficulty, can come out differently. Why? Because the thoughts that they have are thoughts that are hooked on to his glorious power and his strength. Amen, amen, amen. So obviously the problem is not the problem. It's how I respond to the problem. And then here's the result, verse 7. If you do these things, don't worry. Pray about everything. Think, thank God in all things. Think about the right things. Then here is the promise. Here's the promise. I love this. Read it with me. 
then you, let, let's say it like this, then I will experience. Then I will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything I can understand. His peace will guard my heart and mind as I live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what the world is looking for? The world is looking for peace. You know this word guard here in the, in the Greek? It's a military battalion that will come and they will forcefully stand guard around your peace. Everybody's looking for peace, but it doesn't come from yoga. It doesn't come from positive mental thinking. It doesn't come from what you eat. It doesn't come from your exercise. But it comes from the giver of all peace, and his name is Jesus. How many of you have experienced and are experiencing right now the peace of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? Wow, it's so often. So here's my question today. What are you worried about? What are you worried about today? Your health? Your finances? Take these four steps and let God's peace guard your heart. Do this daily. Get, get mad at the devil. Throw scripture at him. When he says, no, you're not going to come out, through, you're not going to do this, you won't get this job. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, you quote, quote scripture back to him. Get signed up for our New Testament app that we're going to study the, the New Testament together. And so we're going to talk back and forth. And you'll be able to say to somebody, wow, I learned this today. Memorize the scriptures today that we looked at. Get them into your heart, into your life. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, I'm, I'm far from having peace. I have anxiety in my heart right now. And I'm very fearful about my future. I don't know how I'm going to handle things. I've been trying to do all these things on my own, but nothing's really, nothing's really worked. God saw you that you would be here today. And over 2,000 years ago, he knew you'd need help. And he knew you couldn't do it by yourself. So God sent his son Jesus come to this world. He laid down all his royalty. He laid down all the pleasures, all the things that he had, and he came to this earth and he lived a sinless life. And he went to the cross to take on your sins and my sins to give you peace. To give you peace. Not religion, but to give you peace. And he said, if I would call upon him, I could be saved. So if you're here today and you don't even really understand what's happening right now, but it's like a, it's like a magnet drawing you and you say, I, I don't know, but I just, I feel like I should pray. I, I feel like I should surrender my heart to the Lord today. I, I, I don't even understand that. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and God loves you so much that he picks you out of this entire auditorium and saying, that's how much that he loves you. You say, well, I don't understand it all. Well, I don't understand it all either. Well, what I don't understand, I trust. And so today, it all starts with trust, that you can trust that he can forgive you of your sins, and he can give you a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over. If that's you today, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad. But I just want to introduce you today to my best friend, and his name is Jesus. I want to introduce you today to the peace giver that when I was diagnosed with cancer two years ago, 
that the Lord healed that and he was with me during that. That when I went through a time when I lost everything, I lost my job, everything, I became penniless. I still had peace in the midst of that because he was there with me. That when I lost a job and didn't know which way I would go, that he, he brought me through that. Took me through some tough times, but he brought me through. So I want to introduce my best friend to you today, and his name is Jesus. And he loves you, and he's knocking on your heart's door. He said, behold, I stand at your heart's door and knock. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in, and I'll be there with you. So would you do this as this church, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, as they're praying for you, would you just make eye contact with me and raise your hand and say, Terry, I need that prayer today. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Others today, thank you. Others in the back, thank you. Yes, yes, over here, over here, over here. Yes, here and here. Others today, others today. Let's see, yeah, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Others today say, I don't understand it, but a feeling drawing me, and I want to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe some of you that are watching online. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody looking at me. There's about eight or nine people raised their hand. and Man, that's, that's so awesome. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that in heaven, all the angels of heaven rejoice when one person makes that decision to say yes to Jesus. How much rejoicing can we have today, church, with those? Can, we, can you give me a, can we give a clap? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.